Why don't we open up our Bibles to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 9. Something is shifting in the Holy Ghost. Just appreciate the way you just tapped into God's presence today. Didn't have to build you up. You just stepped right in. Putting some things into action. 2 Samuel chapter 9 verse 1. you have it say amen and David said is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake and there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba and when he had called him unto David the king said unto him art thou Ziba and he said thy servant is he and the king said is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him and Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Emil, and Lodabar. Then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Emil, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Verse 13, last scripture, so Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. I want to preach to you on this subject this evening, come forth, come forth. Why don't you lay your Bibles down, everyone close your eyes, lift up your hands. Let's ask the Lord to do exactly what he wants to do in this building. Lord Jesus, your anointing is in this house minister as only you can bring revelation bring understanding let the power of God be made manifest change lives pick up who you need to pick up touch who you need to touch In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, minister, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Why don't you clap your hands one more time as you're being seated. Somebody shout yes. Somebody shout we. Come on, somebody. You see, my French is getting better. Come forth. It is amazing in humanity that we have a tendency to lose the wonder very quickly with certain things. 
It's amazing how quickly we can lose the sparkle in our eyes with things that we once worked hard for, things that were once sacred, people that we once admired, how quickly humanity has that tendency to lose the wonder. When you first met that girl, you thought that God and his omnipotence had put every freckle in the right spot on her face. You thought that he had cast forth the freckles as he cast forth the galaxies and the beauty of it. But after you've been around those freckles for a few years, all of a sudden those same freckles start agitating you. <laughs> Boy, I'm in trouble. You used to drive six hours to go and visit her. Even been been with her for a while now. You complain when she asks you to go 15 minutes to the grocery store. Boy, I'm in trouble in this building. I, uh, it's amazing how, how, how quickly we can, we can lose, lose the wonder with, with certain things. It can just happen overnight. It just, just can become common very quickly. We all have that tendency uh, with us. You, you, you are the one that, do y'all celebrate Black Friday in Canada? You, you were the one that were outside for one of the first iPhones. You sat outside the building on Black Friday, opened up at 10 a.m. You got there at 10 p.m. the night before. You put a tent outside the building. Y'all not hearing me in here. Put a tent outside the building. You got a couch in your tent. You got, a, got an entertainment center in that tent because you were wanted to be first in line so nobody would cut you. You said, you better not cut me or I'm going to cut you. <laughs> wanted to be first. You were there for that first iPhone and you got that iPhone and you, you were enamored at it. You spent hundreds of dollars on it. You, it this, was, this was it for you. But then six months later you hear, you know, there's an iPhone 2 coming out. And all of a sudden that first iPhone starts looking a little old. And then you get the two and then the three comes out and the four and the five and the six and the seven and the eight and finally you hear the tens come out and you're like, behold the Lamb of God. This is what I've been waiting for all my life. All the features. All the features that I've been waiting for. This is it. You, and you know what they say? You don't even have to spend a thousand dollars up front. They say you can get on the AT&T next plan. Uh, you can pay 40 bucks a month and you can have it. You can take it home. Babe. What? I don't have to go in debt to get this thing? No. You just go ahead and put on your down payment. We're putting down payments on phones now. Come on somebody. And you got the iPhone 10 and you're all happy. Then a few months later your friend comes up. Hey I got Got the 11. <laughs> and they're looking at you crazy. They're like, bro, you, you, you still have the eight? You still have the seven? You, 
chapter 6 S. What abuse is happening in your home? It's amazing how quickly uh, we can lose the wonder uh, with certain things very quickly. And I've not, I've not come to condemn you for that. It happens with the most spiritual of people. The disciples, when they first met Jesus, uh, the Bible says they forsook their nets. They forsook their businesses. Uh, they forsook the tax collecting. Uh, when they saw Jesus, they left everything and they went after him. And when they saw Jesus' prayer life, when they saw him pray, they saw the way that he got a hold of prayer they couldn't hold it in anymore they were so enamored and fascinated with his prayer life they couldn't hold it in they said Lord teach us to pray but after being around Jesus for three years Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane the most important prayer life was in his life and the Bible says that the disciples can't stay awake because even God can become old when you're around them enough. When the name of Jesus used to excite you, used to have a tear come down your face when, when you heard about the preaching, when you heard about the cross, when you heard about the blood, when you heard about Golgotha, when you heard about Pilate cleansing his hands, when you heard about all these commitments that Jesus made to us on the cross, you cried. You would come up front during the introduction of the sermon. They didn't have to play the song just right. You already had tears tears down your eyes uh, as your hands was lifted but over time uh, all of a sudden when you're around God so much uh, now uh, we got to tell you some mystical story uh, to get you on your feet we got to tell you about an angel uh, I got to preach about Michael the archangel or Gabriel uh, I've got to preach about some type of demon uh, trying to attack you uh, I got to talk about the devil to get you off your feet uh, I got to tell you some mystical miracle uh, to finally get you to clap your hands come on somebody we gotta get a reverence back for the name of Jesus uh, and for the blood uh, and for his presence hallelujah even even God even God can become old with all with all of his greatness with all of his wonder with all of his power when when you're around him enough come on somebody uh, we can start you can start losing uh, the wonder of his presence do you know what it took to get into the presence of God in the Old Testament uh, one person once a year got to experience the presence of God. The high priest, you had to be chosen to enter into his presence. If you were not chosen, the presence of God would kill you. The high priest, once a year, you know what he had to do to get into the presence of God? He had to go find the lamb, go find the bullet, go find the goat, uh, carry that thing to the altar, uh, go ahead and kill it, pour its blood out. Uh, after he was done with that, uh, after the wrestling match of tying it down, uh, after all of the blood, after all of the gore, uh, he'd go over to the laver, uh, and the Bible says that he'd have to cleanse himself. Uh, after cleansing himself, 
himself, he'd go beyond the pillars into the holy place. He'd do ministry at the table of shoe bread. He'd do ministry at the seven golden candlesticks. He'd do ministry at the altar of incense. And once a year, he'd get to go into the holy of holies where he'd do the ministry on the mercy seat of the ark of the covenant. And the glory of God would come down. But if that presence of God, that man, if that man wasn't right with God, the presence of God would come down and kill him. Now, after what Jesus did at Calvary, he rent the veil from top to bottom. And you and I have free access into the presence of God. Hear me, but it is the same presence that can kill you. But when you're around it so much, you can send a funny text message during the preaching. You can send a funny Facebook, a funny Twitter. You can mock the preaching, mock the worship. It's the same presence that can kill you where you are. But you've just been around it so much, you've forgotten its power. I think it's time for us to get a fresh glimpse of the power and the glory of God in this place. I wish you would clap your hands if you're thankful for his presence. I wish someone would lift up their voice if you're thankful for his presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what I like to call the danger of accessibility. When God is so accessible, he can become common. When God spoke in the garden, Adam and Eve, they trembled with fear when they heard the voice of God. They hid themselves. But just one generation later, Cain would hear the voice of God all the time. And, and Cain would and God asked Cain, Cain, where's your brother? Cain screamed back, Am I my brother's keeper? The same voice that made the previous generation tremble now. Cain had been around the voice so long, he had become accustomed to it. He didn't consider it a privilege hearing God's voice. Hello? I said it's a privilege being in the kingdom in this hour. I said this isn't a burden, this is a blessing. I said you get to go to church. Are you hearing me? There's millions of souls that are drug addicts. Come on somebody. And they're hurting, they're broken, and they're wishing for this opportunity that you have right now to have a loving God that reaches down from heaven and picks you up. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I've not come to preach about you uh, losing the wonder with an item. I've not come. 
come to preach to you losing the wonder with the person no I've not come to preach to you about losing the wonder with God no I've come on a mission here tonight to preach to you about losing the wonder in a different way that I want to illustrate through the story of Mephibosheth Mephibosheth he was the son of Jonathan and Jonathan was the son of Saul Saul was the first king of the nation of Israel the Israelites were not content to have God as their king they wanted a visual representation of a king and the lot fell on Saul Saul he was head and shoulders above everybody he had the talent he had the ability he had everything needed to be a great king but somewhere along the line there was a pride that welled up in the heart of Saul and Saul disobeyed the commandments of God and brought shame upon the nation of Israel and brought shame upon his lineage and so Jonathan his son he had a son and he had a son and called his name Mephibosheth and Mephibosheth's name means dispeller of shame Mephibosheth's name means that he was the destroyer of shame Mephibosheth was born with the intention and the destiny to destroy all the shame that Saul had caused on the lineage and restore glory and honor back to the kingdom. Mephibosheth he was born with an anointing. He was born to do great things for God. He was born to tear down the kingdom of darkness and lift up the kingdom of light. He was born to do something great. He was born with the destiny upon his life. They heard, he heard them as they prophesied over him. You're not going to be normal. You're going to be distinct. You're going to change the world. You're not going to be like what your grand daddy was if he was a drug addict you're not gonna be a drug addict through your walk Mephibosheth you're gonna reverse the curse through your walk Mephibosheth you're not gonna be an alcoholic you're not gonna be through your walk Mephibosheth uh, you're going to break the generational spirit that has been on your family just because your granddaddy backslid Mephibosheth you're not going to backslide you're not going to be what they were come on somebody just because they were not faithful it doesn't mean Mephibosheth through your walk you can be faithful you can do something you can reverse it you can change the story he heard them as they whispered you're called you're chosen you're anointed the power of God is on you Mephibosheth you're going to be something that people are going to talk about for generations you're not defined by the history of your lineage through your walk Mephibosheth you are setting a standard for a next generation you are going 
trying to change the world for the glory of God. You were not meant to disappear in the shadows. You were not meant to disappear into mediocrity. You've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You were not meant to be normal. I wish somebody would feel that Mephibosheth anointing in this building. God's going to use you. God's going to use you. He's going to use you to break the cores. He's going to use you. So I wish I could preach to somebody right now. If you hear what I'm preaching, you need to clap for a moment. If you hear what I'm preaching, you need to lift up your voice for a moment. Mephibosheth heard the prophecies. He was in the altar calls as they prayed for him and said that he was destined, that he was chosen, that he was going to rise up and change everything and destroy all the shame that Saul had caused. But there came a moment in Mephibosheth's life where a tragedy happened. And with this tragedy that happened in Mephibosheth's life, the Bible says that his dad and his granddad died in the same day now. It's one thing for dad to die. It's another thing for your granddad to die in the same day. And Mephibosheth is now five years old and a nurse picked him up and she wanted to protect him. She said, this is the chosen one. This is the one that's going to do great things for God. I gotta protect him. And she picked him up and she began to run with him because of a fear of a possible danger. And while she's running with this chosen vessel, at a moment of intertention, the Bible says that Mephibosheth fell out of her hands and his feet became lame. He became a cripple. Now this chosen vessel with all this destiny, with all this anointing on his life, now he has a failure. And now he has an inadequate and now he feels like he's defined by what has happened to him and the thought comes to his mind God could never use me anymore I messed up too many times I've made too many mistakes I'm defined by what has happened to me and the decisions that I've made but Mephibosheth there's still an anointing on you there's still a future on you the king still knows your name Brother Jackson, look at me. Look at me. I don't believe in my prophecies anymore. Not as I many times I failed and stumbled. I made decisions years ago, Brother Jackson. I thought that I could be used by God by now. But I can't help but look at my crippled nature and think that the king wants nothing to do with me. In a moment, the Bible says that his dad died and his granddad died. That wasn't the only thing that died that day. Something died in him. He began to lose the wonder of his call. He began to lose the wonder of his destiny. He gave up on himself. And he volunteered himself into Lodabar. No one took him captive to Lodabar. No, 
He took himself captive in the loader bar. That is the toughest prison to break out of. The one you put yourself in. You've got the key in your pocket, but you've closed the prison door because you say, I'm not worthy anymore. Don't you tell me about hope anymore. Don't you tell me about God using me anymore. Look at my feet. Look at what I've done. I've fallen short of what I was supposed to be. You've become captive. You've been a prisoner of your own thoughts. Been a prisoner of your own imaginations. You feel like God is done with you. He, he volunteered himself into Lodabar and he dwelt there. Lodabar, it is a place that literally means no word, no communication. It was a wilderness. It was a wasteland. And Lodabar, he went to a place where he didn't want to hear the word of the king anymore. He hid himself from the word. He didn't want to hear anybody preach or talk about hope anymore. He was afraid to hope. You're afraid to believe. You're afraid to believe in yourself again. You're afraid to believe that God can use you because the last time you messed up and you were disappointed and ever since then you've been dwelling in Lodabar. I know what I'm talking about here tonight. You can fool everybody in this building but I come to tune into your spirit and I hear your spirit that has been dwelling in Lodabar crying out for deliverance to come out of that place that you have been captive in. You used to praise and when you praised it changed the entire atmosphere but now nothing changes. Why? Because you don't even believe you're worthy enough for God to hear your praise. You used to pray and the power of God would come down but now, now when you pray nothing moves. Why? Because you don't believe you're worthy enough for God to hear your prayer. And you have hidden in Lodabar. And I come with the word tonight to bring you forth out of that place and say that God is not done with you. God is not done with you. God is not done with you. God is not done. you've given up on yourself you've given up hallelujah you've given up on yourself brother Jackson I'm scared to hope again hope deferred makes the heart sick and I'm tired of being disappointed when I hope so it's easier for you to believe for others than it is to believe for yourself when you pray for others in the altar there's tears that come down your eyes because you believe for them but the minute we start praying for you you tense up because you don't believe that you're worthy of being touched by God you know I know I know I know you fooled everybody you look nice tonight you dress real nice I know but I've come to tune into your spirit your physical appearance doesn't throw me off you can look at me however you want I've come to minister right where you are and tell you that there's still a destiny on your life there's still a future on your life there's still an anointing on your life but you gotta learn to start believing Ha, 
Shama Sataya. Hallelujah. When you go through a battle, when you go through a tragedy, when you go through suffering, it is easier to see the goodness of God than to see any good in yourself. When Job lost everything, the first thing he did was worship. But we don't talk about the next chapter when the Bible says Job began to curse himself. He said, I wish I had never been born. He said, why wasn't I born a stillborn? He said, I wish my mother's knees would have prevented me. He said, let the day that I was born be cursed forever. He said, let the sun never shine on my day again. He said, let the stars never twilight on my day again. You see, when he went through a battle, it was easy for him to see the goodness of God. But when he looked at himself in the mirror, he said, you're the reason that this happened. And he saw everything wrong with himself and when you go through tough times you just look at yourself in the mirror and you say what is wrong with me why can't I get it together what is wrong with me I guess the prophecy's over. I guess it's over. I guess it's over. And I can look into your eyes tonight and I can see just the hollow nature behind those eyes. Because you've showed up here tonight. But there's a great some of you that have a long time ago given up. And I know you still come to church and you're faithful. I know that. But I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you stop believing in yourself so you come to church but you've been in Lodabar you've been in Lodabar for months you've been in Lodabar for years if I were to preach on hell or preach conviction you'd be in this altar weeping before the presence of God asking for mercy but because I'm preaching on encouragement You don't want to hear what I'm saying. Because you don't feel worthy of this word. You would respond to judgment because you feel like that's what you deserve. Because I'm preaching hope. Ah, you've been fidgeting. God. Don't tell me that the calling's still mine. Don't, don't tell me that God still wants to use me. Please, Brother Jackson, last time I hoped and then this situation happened, my parents got divorced and all hell broke loose and I gave up. Lodabar is the place where dreams die. It's the place where Callings are buried. He just decided to live there because he thought the king was done with him. He thought God was finished. He thought it was a fluke. He, he thought that they were just flattering him when they named him Mephibosheth thought they were just flattering you 
to say God's going to use you. You thought that we were supposed to say that or something. I'm ministering to you in the Holy Ghost right now. It reminds me of a story that nobody likes to talk about. No, no, nobody likes to talk about this story. It, it reminds me of the story of Tamar. Nobody likes talking about Tamar. Tamar, Tamar, she, she was a king's daughter. And she, a tragedy happened to her. She got raped by someone she trusted. She got taken advantage of by a relative. She got raped. A, a tragedy happened. And nobody talks about Tamar that she had a coat of many colors. Nobody talks about that coat. Look what happens, 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 17. After she got taken advantage of, after she got raped, look what the Bible says. <clears throat> then he called his servant that ministered unto him and said, put now this woman out from me and bolt the door after her. Listen, and she had a garment of diverse colors upon her for with such robes were king's daughters that were virgins apparelled. Then his servant brought her out and bolted the door after her. Listen, and Tamar put ashes on her head and rent her garment of diverse colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went on crying. And Absalom, her brother, said unto her, hath Amnon thy brother been with thee but now hold thy peace my sister he is thy brother regard not this thing so Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house Tamar had a coat of many colors that the king put on her as a form of distinction it was a sign that she was a king's daughter but whenever a tragedy happened she rent that garment that garment was her identity. But when she went through a struggle, she began to rend that coat. God is done with me. The king doesn't care about me. God can't use me anymore and she rent that coat and she remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house she went in her own little Lodabar Deuteronomy 22, 25, it details how God sees rape. Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 25, look how God looks at rape. The Bible says, but if a man find a betrothed damsel in the field and the man force her and lie with her, then the man only that lay with her shall die. But unto the damsel thou shalt do nothing. Listen, there is in the damsel no sin worthy of death. For as when a man rises against his neighbor and kills him even so is this matter God said I compare rape to murder because something dies in the life of that victim that can never be revived again except through the power of the Holy Ghost so 
something died in Tamar that day after she was taken advantage of and she rent her coat she thought the king was done she rent her identity she rented God she began to shred it that's why no one talks about her she had a coat of many colors just like Joseph had. But we all talk about Joseph's coat. We never talk about her coat. You know why we never talk about her coat? Because she destroyed her own coat. She ended her own story. She didn't allow God to somehow get glory out of what happened to her. She just rented and said, it's over. But Joseph, he never rent his own coat. Because he never rent his own coat, it gave God an opportunity to get glory out of what happened to him. Never destroyed his own identity. The enemy rent his coat. He didn't destroy his own coat. And when the enemy rents your coat, it just means you've outgrown it. When the enemy rends your coat from you it just means you've outgrown it and God is now measuring you for a new coat as long as you don't destroy it if the enemy tries to destroy it God, God will start measuring you for a new coat they rent his first coat. That was the coat of promise. And they rented from him. And when they rented from him, they got him measured for a new coat. That was the coat of process that he got in Potiphar's house. And in Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife rent that coat from him. The coat of process. But it got him measured for a new coat. The coat of the palace that his enemy would give him. That was the coat of fulfillment. And no devil in hell uh, can take away uh, the coat of fulfillment uh, from off of your life. hallelujah hallelujah when the enemy rends your coat God just starts getting you measured for a new coat can I tell you Jesus he was God in the flesh he left the splendors the walls of Jasper the pearly gates Jesus robed himself in flesh Jesus came in a coat of flesh and when he came in that coat of flesh on the cross they picked up a spear and they ran his coat but when they rent his coat it got him measured for a resurrection coat (laughs) 
when I go to the suit store and they start measuring me for a new coat, when they start measuring me for a new suit, the first thing they tell me is, Victor, stretch your arms out. And then, Victor, I want you to put your feet together. And then, Victor, let me put the pins in you. I am measuring you for a new coat. Well, they stretch Jesus' arms out. And then they put his feet together. And then they put the pins in him. And it got him measured for a new coat. It's time to take off the spirit of heaviness and put on the garment. Put on the coat. Put on a new garment. Put on the coat of praise in this place. I wish somebody would clap their hands and let a new coat come on you. I wish somebody would lift up their voice and let a new coat come on you. I wish somebody would run in this building. I wish somebody would leap for joy. I wish somebody would shout with the voice of triumph. There is a new garment. Come on, clap again, clap again, clap again, clap again, clap again, clap again. Hey! I said, it's time to come forth. It's time for you to come out of Lodabar. You survived the hell of Lodabar. You survived almost rending your coat. Now, it's time for you to come out of there. And it's time for you to get in a new garment. The garment of a king's son. And it's time to take a seat at the table of destiny. And be what God said you would be. I said, I said, it's time to come out of there. I said, if the princes of this world had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I said, if the devil knew that there was a new coat waiting on you, he wouldn't have tore your old one. If the enemy only knew that you would become better after the depression, that you would become better after the sickness, that you would become better after the heartache, that you would become better after the discouragement. Come there is a coat that is descending on this building there is a power everyone in this building needs to stand on your feet you need to stand on your feet and you need to clap your hands to the Lord and let the sound of rejoicing begin to echo in this building because God is just getting started you're going to get your joy back I said you're going to get your shout back I said you're going to get your dance back I said you're going to get your anointing back I said God isn't done with you it's time for you to come out of that depression it's time for you to come out of that weariness it's time for you to come out of that doubt and it's time to step into a new coat and be what God said you would be I want you to grab the person's hand next to you right now I want you to grab the person's head next to you right now and I want you to begin to lift up your voice and I want you to begin to worship something is descending on this building 
Hallelujah. I want everyone in this building, I want you to step out of your seat and I want you to come forward clapping your hands with expectation. I want you to step out of your seat right now from the front to the back. I don't care if you're a new convert. I don't care if you're a visitor. If you're an elder, you come on up here and clap your hands as you come forward. Something is beginning to be shed off in this building. Somebody's beginning to hope again. Somebody's beginning to believe again. Somebody's getting their joy again. There is a new coat that's beginning to descend. Somebody's coming out of there right now. You survived Lodabar. You survived the hell. You survived the pit. You survived the prison. Now it's time to come out of there with dancing. If you can't run out of there, you need to crawl out of there. If you can't walk out of there, you need to crawl out of there. Oh, Hallelujah. 